patterns of pansies looking flat and brittle as pressed flowers had been set in the public beds. Women with a touch of western chic walked hatless in the park behind the mausoleum of Georgi Dimitrov. There was a mosque and an assortment of trolley cars salvaged from the remotest corner of Beck's childhood, and a tree that talked, that is, it was so full of birds that it swayed under their weight and emitted volumes of chirping sound like a great leafy loudspeaker. It was the inverse of his hotel, whose silent walls presumably contained listening microphones. Electricity was somewhat enchanted in the socialist world. Lights flickered off untouched, and radios turned themselves on. Telephones rang in the dead of the night and breathed wordlessly in his ear. Six weeks ago, flying from New York City, Beck had expected Moscow to be a blazing counterpart, and instead saw, through the plane window, a skein of hoarded lights no brighter on that vast black plain than a girl's body in a dark room. Past the talking tree stood the American legation. The sidewalk, heaped with broken glass, was roped off so that pedestrians had to detour into the gutter. Beck detached himself from the stream, crossed the little barren of pavement, smiled at the Bulgarian militiamen who were sullenly guarding the jewel-bright heaps of shards, and pulled open the bronze door. The cultural officer was crisper after a normal night's sleep. He clenched his pipe in his teeth and handed Beck a small list. "'You're to meet with the writers' union at eleven. These are writers you might ask to see. As far as we can tell, they're among the more progressive.' Words like progressive and liberal had a somewhat reversed sense in this world. At times, indeed, Beck felt he had passed through a mirror, a dingy, flecked mirror that reflected feebly the capitalist world. In its dim depths, everything was similar, but left-handed. One of the names ended in Ova, Beck said, a woman. A poetess, the cultural officer said, sucking and tamping in a fury of bogus efficiency. Very popular, apparently. Her books are impossible to buy. Have you read anything by these people? I'll be frank with you. I can just about make my way through a newspaper. But you always know what a newspaper will say anyway. I'm sorry, I don't get your meaning. There isn't any. Beck didn't quite know why the Americans he met behind the mirror irritated him, whether because they garishly refused to blend into this shadow world, or because they were always so solemnly sending him on ridiculous errands. At the writers' union, he handed the secretary the list as it had been handed to him on U.S. legation stationery. The secretary, a large, stooped man with the hands of a stonemason, grimaced and shook his head, but obligingly reached for the telephone. Beck's meeting was already waiting in another room. It was the usual one, the one that, with small differences, he had already attended in Moscow and Kiev, Yerevan and Alma-Ata, Bucharest and Prague, the polished oval table, the bowl of fruit, the morning light, the gleaming glasses of brandy and mineral water, the lurking portrait of Lenin, the six or eight patiently sitting men who would leap to their feet with quick blank smiles. These men would include a few literary officials termed critics, high in the party, loquacious and witty and destined to propose a toast to international understanding, a few selected novelists and poets, mustachioed, smoking, sulking at this invasion of their time, a university professor, the head of the Anglo-American Literature Department, speaking in a beautiful withered English of Mark Twain and Sinclair Lewis, a young interpreter with a moist handshake, a shaggy old journalist obsequiously scribbling notes, and on the rim of the group, in chairs placed to suggest 
that they had invited themselves one or two gentlemen of ill-defined status, fidgety and tireless, maverick translators who would turn out to be the only ones present who had ever read a word by Henry Beck. Here this type was represented by a stout man in a tweed coat, leather patched at the elbows in the British style. The whites of his eyes were distinctly red. He shook Beck's hand eagerly, made of it almost an embrace of reunion, bending his face so close that Beck could distinguish the smells of tobacco, garlic, cheese, and alcohol. Even as they were seating themselves around the table, and the writer's union chairman, a man elegantly bald with very pale eyelashes, was touching his brandy glass as if to lift it, this anxious red-eyed interloper blurted at Beck, Your travel light was so marvelous a book. The motels, the highways, the young girls with their lovers who were motorcyclists, so marvelous, so American, the youth, the adoration for space. And